I wonder what each of our visions are. The vision that we carry inside of ourselves for our life. For without that, there's no direction. There's no way to realize that inner potential and that refuge that we keep taking moment after moment. So I wonder what our visions are like and what they include and what they don't include. I wonder if our visions include some of the romance that we've been the kind of Cinderella story. And of course, Cinderella could be transgendered, gay, <laughs> or bisexual <laughs> in this case. <laughs> that particular longing for the magic wand to wave itself over our life so that all that we don't like and find uncomfortable gets wished away by our secret fairy grandmother. And we end up with the equivalent of glass shoes, a ball, a castle, and a partner who never gives us any trouble for the rest <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> a Cinderella has all the angelic qualities. Patience, charity, generosity, beauty, faith, and so on. Her evil and ugly stepsisters, of course, would never be included in our vision, I'm sure. Anger, jealousy, envy, mean-temperedness, tightness, contraction, <laughs> um, anger, hatred. I wonder what it means sometimes when our visions include the kind of cultural stereotypes that we've grown up with. I wonder how much we've included these cultural stereotypes into how we think we should be. That somewhere operating inside of us is this structure, is this dream, we might even say, that defines for us who we think we should be. 
And I wonder if we're carrying this vision, or we could even say this personal structure inside of ourselves. And mistakenly, mistakenly calling it a vision. Isn't it true that over these last few days we found ourselves confronted with expressions that aren't so far apart from the ugly sisters? Perhaps frustration, perhaps feeling a little mean-spirited with ourselves, irritated, rejecting a little bit, bored, perhaps even hating. And haven't we also found that we've wanted to push these away? Not only have we wanted to push these away, isn't it also true that we think we shouldn't be having these experiences? That somehow that we what we describe as a vision that we carry inside of ourselves actually is quite exclusive and doesn't include all of who we are. So I wonder about our visions. I wonder if we have the generosity of spirit to call ourselves by our true names. Technohan wrote a poem with that heading, and in it he says that he's a young Vietnamese refugee girl on a boat trying to escape the persecution in Vietnam, and she's raped by pilots on the sea. This is actually happening still today. There's a tremendous amount of um, persecution still going on in Vietnam, especially towards Buddhists. And there are many Vietnamese still ex trying to escape on boats. And there are many, many pirates who prey on these people. And Thich Nhat Hanh says that he's the young girl being raped and then murdered. And he's also the pirate who rapes and who murders. He says that he's the frog living in the beautiful pond and also, I think it's the crocodile, but I'm not sure, that eats the frog, the snake, the snake that eats the frog. And I wonder if we can open our hearts to include all of who we are, the places where we are failures, and the places where we're successful and strong, the places where we find ourselves beautiful, and the places where we find ourselves ugly. I wonder if we can begin to challenge that place that we also call identity, that place that defines itself as me, I am. I am a lesbian, 
I am Jewish, I'm South African, I'm a political activist, I'm left-wing, I'm a Buddhist. <coughs> I'm a good lover. I'm <coughs> poor. <laughs> but it gets quite descriptive, this identity we have, doesn't it? Doesn't it really extend <laughs> into many, many arenas in our life? And doesn't it extend to grip each moment that we live? And are we choosing this identity that describes ourselves, Or have we unconsciously taken on many of these messages and inherited them, built ourselves around them, without really looking at them and saying, does this serve my happiness? Does this serve my freedom? Is there a way that I define myself as gay that actually separates me from other human beings? That might even separate me from other gay people? Is there a way that I define myself as a woman that separates me from men? And is there a way that I define myself as a man that separates me from women. Our vision of ourself needs to include the deepest investigation into what actually supports my freedom and happiness and what actually supports my unity and community, and what actually separates, what actually brings suffering. And there is much that we've taken for granted in our communities that might need to be deeply investigated. Perhaps one of the places that needs to be most investigated is the place where we feel a victim, where we feel a victim to homophobia, where we feel a victim to our inability to have great breathing or an enlightened experience, where we feel a victim to those around us who are rude or angry or greedy or envious or homophobic. Because often without us knowing, victim comes in, creeps in through our identity into our vision and holds us there and imprisons us. When I first read Thich Nhat poem, I couldn't believe that he was saying that not only was he the young girl who was being raped, but he was also the raper.
And I couldn't believe it because there was a place inside of me that was so conditioned into feeling outrage at the unfair and unjust rape of women in this culture that it seemed and was impossible to include also the experience of the raper. Those places that we carry that are hurt, those places that we carry which are in pain, those of us who are close to dying and know it, those of us who are holding the wounds of abuse and rape, those of us who are carrying those wounds for our friends, those places often live inside of ourselves in a way that begins to separate us from the rest of life. Is it possible to open our hearts to include it all? Is it possible to open our hearts so that we can really become friendly with ourselves? To really make friends with ourselves? To make friends with the place that feels caught as victim and to make friends with the place that we define as the perpetrator and the enemy. Can we include both in our vision? When we do, we will have community. We will have a community within ourselves and outside of ourselves that will not be shaken and cannot be shaken. Because once our hearts extend into that place and touch all of that inside of ourselves, then we're touching everyone outside of ourselves. So that in each of us, we are the lonely old men and the lonely older woman, gay and lesbian, and the young and fresh and vigorous as well. We are the Republicans and Democrats, and we are the Christian right and homophobes. I think there was a tremendous healing for me in the early parts of my life to go and live on land where there was just women, to insist that no men come on the land, to feel totally justified in my separatism, to think that men were What did I think men were? 
bit, no, some cross between the enemy and um, danger. I felt there was a time and a space to separate myself off to heal. And possibly in that space also to feel justified in my rage and anger. But you know, I don't think it's healthy to continue in that space for another 20 years. And it's very easy as we who have been persecuted in our culture reach for some sense of belonging. It's very easy when we're trying to define ourselves and find who we are in a culture that sends so many negative messages. It's very easy to hold on to something that we describe as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered and to get stuck there. As soon as we hold on, we are outside our hearts. What is it to be free and to be gay? What really is it? Is it the identity? Is it a label? Is it because of our partner? Am I defined by someone outside of myself? Am I defined by my desire? Or actually, is it a process? Is it a process that I have still in part and yet to discover because I'm still alive and because I'm still creating and naming and renaming and I'm not stuck in history and old labels? Who am I and who are we? We could look at it the other way around, couldn't we? And say, if our hearts are inclusive, then let's look at our community and see how inclusive our communities are. Are they? Are our hearts open to the diversity of all beings who call themselves gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered? Are we there for each other without judgment, but with skillful wisdom? I know we have a vision, and I know that vision is the third refuge, and it's taking refuge in the Sangha, it's taking refuge in the community that we are creating. A community that lives in freedom. I sat with a teacher called Punjaji in India and 
He said, get rid of your mind. He said, get rid of it. He said, your mind is just an obstacle. <laughs> it obscures your freedom. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many years you meditate. It doesn't matter how many years you do yoga. It's just the mind doing, and the mind doing obscures freedom. Let it go. Throw away the mirror and find out who you really are. Connecting with our process is really about deconstructing what Punjaji calls the mind, the inherited judgments and thoughts that we've taken to be true that hold us isolated and separated because the reality is we are a community. We are held in the deepest love. We are held in the deepest connection and that each one of us is unique and beautiful. Each one of us is special and worth the deepest respect and honoring. Our path is a path that rests in this truth. Our path is a path that challenges the places where separation and isolation come into being. Our path demands that we investigate those places and see them for the false statements, ideas and thoughts identity and construction that they are. There's this poem, <coughs> Joy Harjo, called Remember. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the star stories. Remember the moon know who she is. I met her in a bar once in Iowa City. Remember the sun's birth at dawn that is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth, how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father, his hands cradling your mother's flesh and maybe her heart too, and maybe not. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are, red earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth, black earth, we are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who are all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them, listen to them, 
they are alive poems. Remember the wind, remember her voice. She knows the origin of this universe. I heard her singing Kiowa war dance songs at the corner of 4th and Central once. Remember that you are all people and that all people are you. Remember that you are this universe and that this universe is you. Remember that all is in motion, is growing, is you. Remember that language comes from this. Remember the dance that language is, that life is. Remember to remember. We practice mindfulness and loving-kindness <coughs> to open our hearts to all of ourselves and to all of each other. And we know that this isn't an easy task. In fact, the Buddha said that opening to this all-inclusive holding is like fighting a thousand warriors a thousand times single-handedly. That we are challenged over and over again to shut down, to withdraw and to defend. And the reason that we practice mindfulness and loving-kindness is because there's something stronger than that. And that's the knowing that's inside of us that calls us and says it's possible to open to it all. It's possible to open to everything, to the discomfort of the breath, and to the Vietnamese refugees, to the suffering, the intense suffering of people in mental hospitals and prisons, the intense suffering of our partners and friends dying. It's possible to open our hearts to the incredible beauty of the mountains and the trees and the sky. It's possible to open our hearts to those that we supervise, who drive us nuts, to our lovers who drive us nuts, our parents who drive us nuts, and our grandparents who drive us nuts. And it's possible also to open our hearts to the places in our bodies that are holding unspoken of pain that we haven't yet connected with, and to the pain in the other bodies around of us. The Buddha said that this was our possibility that we could open to it all, and that we should not shortchange ourselves, that this path, this path of freedom, of opening and making friends of ourselves, of opening and becoming a community, is a path that has as its outcome the deepest liberation. Please don't stop short of that, because that is our possibility.
one of the most important dynamics in this universe and of our minds is the dynamic of karma. And it gives us the relationship of intention and action and where we can heal, where we can actually begin to cultivate the kind of opening that I've spoken to. What karma says, what the Buddha says about karma is whether it was good or bad, the power of any action once performed is never lost. The results arise accordingly. And according to the seed that is sown, so is the fruit that you reap. The doer of good will gather good results. The doer of evil reaps evil results. If you plant a good seed well, then you will enjoy the good fruits. What that's saying is that our intention to open, to hold our hearts and those around us, will always bear fruit. And that that intention conditions the mind to open again. And every time we open, we condition the mind to open again. Our minds are incredibly malleable in that way. Every time we identify with anger or blame or shame, we're actually conditioning the mind to identify again with anger and blame and shame. And that's why we cultivate mindfulness. Because mindfulness has the ability to see shame as shame and to hold back the identification process, to stop it. In that way, we condition the mind again in, in a future moment to open rather than to identify with the shame. That's the dynamic, the law that describes the work that we're doing. For every moment of mindfulness here, we're conditioning the mind to be mindful. For every moment of mindfulness, for every heart opening, we're conditioning the mind to open. Every time we lose it and we end up speaking with blame or with anger, we're not only conditioning our own mind to hook into anger and blame again, but we're actually separating ourselves from ourselves and from someone else. I think there is a time to say it's not okay. I think there is a time to say harsh words, blaming words, words that actually sow discord in a community, words that speak badly about others. I think it's okay to say, no, 
No, it's not okay. And it's not okay because I honor that vision inside of myself and because I honor this community. Not in a judging way, not in a blaming way, but by being clear, what's my vision and then how do I act from this vision? So on the one hand, there's this incredible softness that we invite, the softness of holding ourselves, of holding all aspects of ourselves and of cultivating love. And then on the other side, there's this warrior energy that says, it really isn't okay to let myself move into negative actions or hurting actions both towards myself and others. It's not okay. It isn't okay. In the sense that it takes me away from the vision of what I know brings happiness and healing. It's okay to become a warrior. It's okay to take a stand. To take a stand for freedom and for love. So let's um, sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.